1: Like sports, cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak.
0: It's Sports Yak. And welcome to the Sports Yak podcast, episode two eighty nine. Oh, you mean the Bill Buckner episode? That is my childhood. When I hear that name, that is summertime in St. Joe, Michigan. Get uh, my grandmother's router set correctly, pointing over the lake to watch some WGN and the Chicago Cubs.
2: 289 lifetime hitter. He did not hit 289 home runs. And as Corey mentioned, some really good years with the Cubs, including winning the National League batting title in 1981, started his career with the Dodgers, wound up with the Red Sox, bounced around a little bit at the end, but had a really good, Major League career, really good, 289 career hitter. And Bill Buckner is part of two of the iconic moments that we remember of baseball history. Hank Aaron's 715th home run, Buckner is playing left field for the Dodgers and basically tries to climb the chain-link fence at Fulton County Stadium to either rob the home run or, after the home run lands you know, hopefully get the ball, wound up being caught by Tom House in the Braves' bullpen. So you see Buckner climbing the fence, trying to get the 715th homer. And then, of course, 1986, Vin Scully at the mic, World Series, the Red Sox look to be on the verge of clinching game six. They've already given up the lead. Now the game is tied, two out. Mookie Wilson with the ground ball, a roller down the first base line. It gets by Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. And it took a lot of years before Bill Buckner could go back to Boston. He actually ended his career in Boston, but uh, by then he was 40, and uh, a shell of the player that he was. And, of course, you probably remember watching him with the Cubs it always seemed like both of his ankles were bad. Like, how in the heck does this guy play? Because it looks like he's walking on eggshells constantly. But what a gamer. And, um, you know, it turned out that Boston wound up forgiving him, and he went back, and they had a a great ceremony there for him in Boston. But uh, terrific ball player. So 289 career hitter. We dedicate this one to good old Billy Buck, Bill Buckner.
0: Now when you say the ball gets past him through his legs by his legs through his legs right underneath right Ooh, up, like wow. the croquet wicket oh my goodness Family Broadcasting Corporation well, the
1: going wild. in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network presents oh, Sportsiac oh, one host knows sports and who's right there the other doesn't know sports but somehow they meet in the middle it's all the way. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get
0: your big butt out of here. And
1: Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie.
0: Forever. All right, well, let's start this episode with Notre Dame basketball. What do you got? Who would have thunk it back
2: when Notre Dame was 3 and 9, or excuse me, 3 and 8 at one time, that Mike Bray's team would be within spitting distance of the 500 mark? They've won six of their last eight. And Nick Jogo with 18 points last night. Nobody saw that one coming. But he winds up uh, with a really good night offensively. Kept the Irish in it in the first half. Then Nate Leschewski had a pretty strong second half. And Notre Dame beats a very stubborn and undermanned Miami team, 71-61 at Purcell Pavilion. Yes, it's a 10-point margin. It should have been a lot easier than what it was. Notre Dame did not necessarily play well last night, but they played well enough to win. And so they now have a 9 and 10 mark overall, 6 and 7 in the ACC, and they have six games left, Corey. And there are some people out there, some Irish fans, the optimists in the group, who say, well, can they make the NCAA tournament? And then there are some like me who say, let's just see if they can get over 500 first before we start that NCAA tournament talk. They have Clemson coming in on Wednesday night. Pretty good team. I think the Tigers are 13-5. and They've been winning some games that they probably have no business winning. And when you see teams like that, you think, well, maybe they're one of these teams of destiny, or maybe it's their year. And Notre Dame, of course, hasn't won games like that this year. Of the six games remaining, Two are against teams that, in my mind, there's no question Notre Dame should beat. North Carolina State and Boston College are both not very good this year. You should be able to beat them. Florida State has a number in front of it, so we know Notre Dame's not going to win that game because they never beat ranked teams, or at least never in the last three years. So that would be two and one. Two and one from nine and ten, that puts you at 11 and 11. So the swing is those three other games that they have um, with teams like Louisville and Syracuse and Clemson. How will Notre Dame do in those games will likely determine its fate for the postseason. Did
0: Jack Nolan drop March 6th on us, or did I read that? Is that his final, what could be his final regular season game? That would be the final regular season game, yes. And then
2: right now, the plan is still to play the ACC tournament. Okay. Obviously, it's one of those years, Corey, and anything can change. Okay, But right now, the plan is that they would play the ACC tournament.
0: I've been hearing about this team up in uh, Ann Arbor that's starting to play again. They sat for 23 days. That seems like a lifetime, doesn't it? It sure did.
2: And uh, it actually raised my eyebrows when I was kind of thumbing through my computer on Sunday morning. I said, well, who's playing college? Oh, Michigan's playing today. Michigan's actually going to play a game today. Ranked number three, a lot of people penciled them in as the number one seed. They've been sitting atop the Big Ten standings. You can't really fall in the Big Ten standings. If you don't lose, you can't lose if you don't play. And so the running joke was kind of, well, Michigan's got this thing figured out. You win a bunch (laughs) of games early, and then you just sit. But they had to come back sometime and play, and they came back with a road game at Wisconsin, which traditionally has not always been the easiest things for teams to do. But Wisconsin, you asked me early in the year, Corey, my thoughts on Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, I think we did an underrated, overrated about them as and, a whole.
2: And I just, there's something about Greg Gard's team this year. You know, in the past, Wisconsin has been one of those tough teams. They just get up in your grill. They defend you well. They play deliberate. And they kind of make force you to play their style of game. It's not necessarily happening this year. And Michigan goes on the road to Wisconsin after sitting for three weeks and wins 67-59. So that's a big win for Jawan Howard's team. And they are sitting there with just one loss in the Big Ten. They've got this wonderful player, Hunter Dickinson, had a double-double yesterday, 11 points, 15 rebounds. And... Michigan looking the part of a number one seed. If I, if I were seeding the tournament right now, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Ohio State, those would be my number one seats. Ohio State looked tremendous on Saturday against Indiana. I didn't get to see any of the game. I was busy calling a high school game. But they beat Indiana by 17 in Columbus. Now, we've seen IU give some teams fits in road games. Ohio State wasn't having any of it, and Chris Holtman's done a superb job there as the head coach. So top four seeds right now in college basketball, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Ohio State, there seems to be a consensus on that.
0: We uh, broadcast Big Ten games here at home base, Indiana and Purdue. What's a quick glance at their week? Purdue has Michigan State
2: tomorrow night. Big home game for Purdue. Michigan State is just a shell of what they have been. Michigan State, here's another team. Tom Izzo's teams have built themselves by being physical and by just out-toughing you. You know, when Notre Dame played them early in the year, back in November, I think, it was clear that Michigan State was just tougher than the Irish that night. Well... They're not really tough right now. A lot of people expected Aaron Henry to kind of be a star in the Big Ten. That hasn't happened. Josh Langford hasn't played well this year. And Tom Izzo's team got whacked over the weekend by Iowa by 30. By 30? When was the last time you saw a Michigan State team lose them by 30 to anybody?
0: Yeah, I feel like I haven't heard that in a long time. So now they have to go on the road Tuesday night and go to Mackey
2: Arena where Purdue almost never loses. And I, that's a game that Purdue can't afford to lose. If, if Purdue really wants to be considered seriously as a top four seed for the NCAA tournament, they have to win games like that. Right now, the, the talk I'm hearing is the Boilermakers would be about a, a six or a seven seed for the NCAA tournament. You'd like to move up into that four or five range if you could. But we'll see. Uh, That's what's waiting for Purdue this week. And then Indiana turns around, and they've got a game on Wednesday night. I think it's against Minnesota. And, you know, as we've said before about Archie's team, you just don't know what you're going to get on a given night. There's no consistency there. Although I did notice Saturday I'm going through my Twitter feed at night, And Trace Jackson Davis, and I don't know who said this. I don't know if it was said on the national broadcast or if it's something that Archie said to his players, but Trace Jackson Davis was ticked off because somebody had referred to the Hoosiers as soft. He says, we're not soft. Well, you better show it then, big boy, because right now this team is, you may not be soft, but you're incredibly inconsistent. So you need to show something when you take on the Golden Gophers on uh, Wednesday night at 9.
0: Let's take it up a notch and slide into the NBA. Detroit. You know, who would have thought uh, that the Pistons
2: would be playing as well as they are right now? They had a terrible start, but Josh Jackson with 21 last night, and they went at home against Zion and New Orleans, 123-112. to 112. And Detroit's just been giving teams fits lately. You know, we we talked about those two overtime games that they had with the Lakers where they split them, and then uh, last night beating. Now, New Orleans is not, yes, they have Zion, but they don't really have a whole lot else, and they're not what I would consider one of the better teams in the league. Still, those teams have customarily gone into Detroit and fared okay. So the Pistons are playing a little bit better. Bulls play the Pacers tonight. That's a big game for both those teams who are trying to to find a little bit of consistency. Again, that that word comes back to us on the basketball court. But the Bulls, one night, will get forty six out of Zach Levine, and then the next night they turn around and the Clippers just bury him. So hard to say what you're going to see from Billy Donovan's team. And Nate Bourchens had the same problem down in Indianapolis. And one night, you know, Malcolm Brogdon will show up and play great, and the next night. Not so much. So we'll see how the Bulls and Pacers play out tonight. I believe that game's at the United Center.
0: Did I read a Rose quote over the weekend? He feels he has a better playoff chance with the Nets than with Detroit. Well, Derek Rose got traded to the Knicks. Knicks, and, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, well, he definitely does because the Knicks have played better so far this year under Tom Thibodeau. And that's the other thing. Derek Rose is reunited with Tom Thibodeau. They had those great years together in Chicago when Derek was healthy and an NBA MVP. And I think they're hoping that he can lend some veteran leadership to that Knicks team and help rekindle a little bit of magic. But there's no question that over the last decade, Thibodeau has the Knicks probably playing as well as anybody has right now. Now, the problem with Tom Thibodeau teams is He tends to wear out his welcome fairly quickly. I mean, he's very demanding of his players. And you can be demanding of your players, and when they're winning, they see the dividends of that. But if you're demanding of the players and then they're not winning, his words start to ring hollow.
0: (laughs) You had a couple of games over the weekend, but you've already turned a corner. TV 46 getting ready for this next weekend. LaPorte Semi-State is where we'll be
2: for girls basketball. And that means we'll have Washington and Norwell. It'll be at noon on the IHSAA TV network. That's a pay-per-view network. We'll show it at 4 on TV 46 Saturday afternoon. We'll also do the game between Carroll and Crown Point for the IHSAA TV network. It won't be shown here locally because not two local teams. Friday night, we've got a good one, too, Adams and Riley. Adams has won 22 straight in the Northern Indiana Conference. And they take on the Riley... Wildcats who are 14-5 and right now. Blake Wesley commit to the University of Notre Dame, and I'm sure there's nothing the Cats would rather do than beat their city rivals on their home floor. So that should be fun. Where's that at? That will be at Hathaway Shack, which is the Adams gym. I would talk about the Tuesday night games, but let's be real, kids. Let's look at this forecast that we're looking at right now for the weather. I don't see any way. Any games are getting played on Tuesday night, which is a shame because there's some good ones on the schedule. Michigan City, Riley, Adams at Mishawaka. Those aren't happening. I, I'm telling you right now, I will be shocked if those happen.
0: On Friday, you were talking about how NASCAR does things backwards where other sports lead up to the big game. Mm-hmm. Where NASCAR, they start with their biggest race to kick off their season. That happened over the weekend.
2: Yeah, and here's the problem they had. So... Years past, NASCAR would start the Daytona 500 around noon. But they're trying to get a bigger audience on a Sunday. So you give people a chance coast to coast to kind of get home from church and everything. And they start the greatest spectacle in stock car racing at around 3 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Well, the problem with that is the weather in Florida What typically happens late afternoon weather in Florida this time of year? And it happened again. So they start the race. There is a huge accident on the 15th lap where the pole sitter gets tapped from behind, spins out, and it takes out about 12 cars, including our boy Ryan Newman. By the way, Tom Rinaldi did a piece on Ryan Newman yesterday, so get your Kleenex out if you want to go back and watch that because – um, just talked about the, the miracle that happened with Ryan Newman and not only uh, surviving that horrific accident at Daytona last year, but then being able to walk and drive again. Um, just miraculous. So Tom, as always, did a stellar job with that. And then after this big wreck, here comes the rain. And it about a five-hour rain delay. They did not start racing again until about 9.15 Eastern time. And remember, they'd only maybe raced for 21 minutes so far, so they've got a 500-mile race to get in. It gets done after midnight. On the final lap, teammates Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski are jockeying for position. Keselowski is trying to pass Logano. Logano, of course, is trying to block him. They bump, they spin, they crash. Pretty fiery crash. And this guy that was sitting behind Keselowski by the name of Michael McDowell winds up winning the Daytona 500. Michael McDowell has been a journeyman on the NASCAR circuit for, oh, gosh. Almost a decade. I think he has over 300 races to his credit, and this would be his first win. And to win it at Daytona in the biggest event, great for him. The only problem is having after midnight on the East Coast. (laughs) Nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. But terrific for him. And this allows us to bring a new segment to (laughs) Sports Jack called Corey's Brush with Greatness. Corey,
0: take it from here. (laughs) It was the summer of 2013. My wife and I had been invited to the Brickyard event. We've been invited before by the city of Indianapolis and the Visitors Bureau. This was a different invite. Curb Records invited us. As I get invited to many things throughout the year, the relationship between artist and radio host, record label, yada, yada the reason why curb records invited us to indianapolis because they were sponsoring a car at the time it was a curb slash k love radio network car driven by a michael mcdowell who was a genuinely nice guy kind of knew his place in the pecking order but was a, a very gracious host to his trailer and his team and his car and we hung out uh a good chunk of Saturday with him and then Sunday when we came back, he got out of that race fairly early. Mm-hmm. I think I told you. Uh but then he hosted a handful of us in his trailer to watch it, and it was as if we were sitting in a really nice living room in that trailer. With an expert. With a guy who said yeah, he that's that's right, Chuck. He would he would drop a couple well, watch what's gonna happen here. Now this is what's happening and here's why this is happening. And it was kind of cool because none of us were really asking that, Right. But it was just like having a commentary on during the race. Very nice guy, had to dig out a picture and send it to my wife and said, you've met this guy before.
2: What What I liked about the story when you told me in the radio studio today was somebody asked him, okay, well, where are you going next week?
0: Yeah. And he wasn't because his team doesn't have the money that a Jimmy Johnson has. Right. So it's not an every week race. It's a pick and choose Where can we best perform at what race? And so I think he might have had three weeks off. Plus, he had um, car trouble, so they have to fix the car, and your money goes to that more than it does the next week. So that was 2013. And that's
2: that's life on the NASCAR circuit. If you don't have one of the big boys behind you, like Ryan Newman has Roush Racing, that's that's a good group to be with. You know you're going to be driving every week. Justin Haley out of Winnemac, Caleb Racing, they're making progress, but they're not one of those teams yet that can say, hey, we're going to be in it every week. They, too, have to pick and choose a little bit, and that's the way it is until you can get some wins under your belt. So imagine being Michael McDowell. You really love being a race car driver. You have managed to kind of work your way through all these races over time, and now you finally can say you are a Daytona 500 champion. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is. So that was a it was a very popular win among the drivers. In fact, I think it was Keselowski who said, "Well, if I couldn't win, I'm happy that guy did." Yeah. So
0: speaking of brush with greatness, also the same weekend, my wife approached a Steve Martin. Oh, Uh, after his performance Saturday night, downtown Indianapolis, he was sitting at the bar by himself and my wife walked up to him and she got about mid sentence and he turned around and he said, I've already punched out for the night. And that was that. And that's brush with (laughs) Greatness on this edition of Sports Yak. By the way, if you want to see that photo, it's at Sports Yak with two K's on Twitter. If you uh, follow us there,
2: Daniel Berger wins the PGA event over the weekend Eagled the final hole to take the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Not much to talk about there. Australian Open tennis. I watched some of this over the weekend. I can't even remember the last name of the person that Serena Williams was playing. She's good. She's ranked number seven. She was the number seven seed. Zevarenko or something like that. She's from Belarus. 22 years old. Six-footer. You know. Can move on the court pretty well. Obviously, at six feet, can generate some speed, some power. And took Serena to three sets. But this is what amazes me about Serena Williams. She's 39 years old. She's had kids. She was the idol of this person that she was playing as the girl was growing up. And she still moves on the court like a cat. She still plays terrific tennis. And even though she's the number 10 seed, and she hasn't won a Grand Slam title in a while, my goodness, she is still a force in this sport. She's in the quarterfinals. I think she plays tonight in the quarterfinals against uh, Simone Halep, who is the number two seed. And I know a lot of you out there aren't tennis fans. I get that. But just appreciate what you have In this this lady who we saw come up at a very young age, I mean, she has really been the dominant force on the women's tennis scene now for, what, 20 years? Mm -hmm. 20
0: years! I'm not going to be able to put this into proper words, but I've been having this thought for a while, and it happened during the Super Bowl. I think it's generational that you and I maybe put a little more emphasis on the age of these players, but I think... It's starting to fall to the wayside that you can continue to play if you take care of yourself, if you put in the work. Tom Brady, Serena Williams, Drew Brees, even though he's done or whatever. But, I mean, some of these guys that are in the NBA that are, you know, you can go back and forth on past your prime or, no, they still got game. Look at LeBron. LeBron is at an age where, in the
2: past, you would have thought.
0: Get him out of there.
2: Get, you know. There weren't guys playing at that age in the 80s or the 70s. Mm-hmm. They're playing at that, and he's not only playing well, but the things that he does on a basketball floor outside of the flopping the other night, uh, just amazing. So, yeah, we we are seeing this, and I think we've learned a lot more about science, nutrition, uh, mm-hmm. lifestyle. Right. Players are willing to spend money to hire other people to help take care of them. Now, in fairness, the players in the 70s and 80s didn't have that money. They weren't getting paid that kind of scratch, so they couldn't do those kind of things. If you did nutrition or if you did weightlifting, that was pretty much on your own. Well, now with the salaries these people make, they're smart. They're like, I can continue to make this kind of money yeah. if I spend some of it to hire some people to help me.
0: I think of the, immediately of that Bulls documentary and the trainer, Michael's trainer, who went from, you've got a basketball body and we've got to get you to a baseball body. Then when you come back to basketball, we've got to get you back to that body because it ain't going to work with the baseball body. Right.
2: And I realized that was happening in the 90s and and that's kind of... The, the late 80s and the 90s is kind of when you started to see these seismic shifts in salaries being paid out to people. But kudos to the people like Brady, like Serena, like LeBron, who realize I'm at the top of my game. And in order to stay there, because somebody's always challenging you.
0: Yeah, going to have to pay the price,
2: literally. Exactly. <laughs> so... But that was that was just one thing that fascinated me over the weekend in watching Serena play. You know, everybody in the house and I, I'm watching it with basically four women, they're like, You can't tell the difference between the twenty two you couldn't tell who was twenty two and who was thirty
0: nine. Yeah. And her bad day <laughs> Yeah. Is is uh for the rest of us, like we'll ever get to that level. But And then finally,
2: congratulations to Penn's hockey team. They win the Michiana High School Hockey League Championship yesterday. Ethan Matthews with an overtime goal on an assist from my neighbor, Riley Planey, 4-3. I was shocked to learn that is the first time that Penn has won the Michiana High School Hockey League title. Adams, St. Joe, Riley have been dominant teams over the years. But Pan beat your boys from Lakeshore St. Joe yesterday, who had a very good season. In fact, I think they were the number one seed going in.
0: That'll happen sometimes. So,
2: overrated, underrated. Do you have some things to bring to the table?
0: today? I have. Uh, I have one to bring to the table. But before we do that, let me ask you a question real quick. You have watched Tom Rinaldi, your colleague, go from ESPN to Fox. Have you noticed... A level upmanship of his content since he's been at Fox? Because I noticed you've, you've caught some of his work. Do you think he's at his A game and he brought that? Or do you think there's, did he tighten the screws even more and it's even a better product
2: now? Oh, I no, I, I think we talk about inconsistency for teams. The great ones have consistency and he's great yeah. at what he does. And that's the thing. He has brought the consistency. Now, whether he has raised Fox's standard, by coming over and saying, this is how we're going to do things, maybe that's a chat we can have with him sometime Yeah, when he's got some
0: downtime. That might take a while Yeah, for him I, to bring it to that level, right. too. But
2: I, there's no question when Fox found out that Tom Rinaldi was a free agent, they said, let's go get
0: him. Yeah.
2: Because they felt like that was a hire that would make their product better. Yeah. And look how they've used him already. they They've used him... Football. They used him at Daytona yesterday. I mean, he's so versatile. They'll use him when they go to World Cup.
0: And you know yeah. why he's versatile? Because he can tell a great story. He knows how to spot the story. And if you can do that, you can do a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, I bring to you, overrated, underrated, the uh, birth date of Matthew Groening, creator of The Simpsons. The Simpsons, 32 years December 17th, 1989, first episode. Your thoughts.
2: I I don't see how you could say The Simpsons is overrated because it was a game changer. I mean, here's this little animated feature that spins out of the old Tracy Ullman show. That shows you how far back it goes. Does anybody remember Tracy Ullman? (laughs) Now that's overrated. Uh, But it spins out of the old Tracy Ullman show and winds up getting a life of its own for 32 years Um, and, I mean, becomes a major part of American pop culture. I think there are so many elements of that show that whether you know it or not, you kind of relate to every day whether it's just the simple when something goes wrong Mm -hmm. that you'll hear people say or the recognizability of the characters you did a little thing with Melanie and myself on the show today and you weren't necessarily going through the major characters of the show but you kind of know who they are Yeah, and even if you don't know exactly what their name is you certainly know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like Homer's neighbor. Maybe you don't know for sure that that's Ned Flanders, but once you hear Ned Flanders, you know exactly who that is <laughs> and what that looks like.
0: That's right. Yeah. How what was what did we kind of round up the math? 600 plus episodes? Easily 600 episodes. Yeah. And if you've got Disney Plus to go back and watch a little bit of season 1 just how it looks mm-hmm. to the polished diamond that it oh, is yes. now. Uh, it's and it's still pretty funny but that's that's what resources will give you yeah and and that's the
2: other thing now in some ways it's it's probably easier to write a script for just voice acting and animation than it is for uh actual live presentation or live to tape presentation mm-hmm. but that said they still churn out i mean there's a ton of jokes in there There's a ton of jokes.
0: Yeah. And, you know, some people could, the the argument, like we're doing in this segment here, could be maybe they've gone past their prime. I still think that it's high-quality stuff. Mm -hmm. I think other animated shows have come and gone that they've tried really hard. Yeah. (laughs) And it doesn't work. But Simpsons just has something, and it's figured out its way to right there in pop culture history. Absolutely. So I, I would say probably slightly underrated. Okay. Maybe doesn't get all the credit that it deserves, and it deserves a lot.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: What say you? I'm in agreement with you today. I am in total agreement with you. I'm going to throw out a musical artist uh, who will hopefully
2: be performing in the South Bend area in the summertime that I do not think that we have done this segment with, and that is one Mr. William Joel. You may know him better as Billy
0: Joel. Billy Joel to his friends. Mm Mm-hmm. I would say another right down the middle. He, uh, I did something on Facebook the other day on my page of like, name an artist that you're still excited about if they were to put out something new. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people chimed in, but n- no one said Billy Joel, but he even knows that. He even knows that, like, my catalog speaks for itself. That's, That's what not people what his show hear. is anymore. Yeah, yeah. And and he's kind of, I've heard him actually say, I don't know that I've got anything to say anymore that would be worthy of writing a song for. But those songs stand the test of time. My goodness.
2: Yeah. And here's the other thing. you, I think you do reach a certain point in life where people want the hits. Yeah. They don't necessarily need Billy Joel to churn something new out right now. When they go to a Billy Joel concert, it's to remind them of good times they've had in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and he still got his fastball, by the way.
2: Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, Sinatra towards the end was not – that was not Frank. Yeah. That, that was not good at the end. And I'm not saying the end is anywhere near for Billy Joel. But you hear him sing today, you hear him play today, he's still got it. Yeah. He's still got it. I would agree with you right down the middle – I don't think he's overrated. That catalog of his is one to behold. Mm -hmm. And he churned out some hits. I don't think there's any way you could say he's underrated. No. So I would go down the middle with Billy Joel.
0: I got a good grade one time, and my reward was It's Still Rock and Roll to Me, the 45. Nice. So every time I hear that song, I think of somebody in the family driving me to Sears in Benton Harbor they a little forty-five display, and getting to pick out—it's still rock and roll to me.
2: You mentioned Sears. Uh, ESPN did something on this Saturday morning. I don't know how many of you watch the ESPN Sar- Sports Center on Saturday morning. I usually do while I'm waiting for the forty-six game of the week to come on. They were talking about the Super Bowl. They were doing a week-in review, and they were talking about the Super Bowl, and they were talking about some of the ads that ran on the Super Bowl. Think about the ads that ran on the Super Bowl in 2002, 20, you know, almost 20 years ago. How many of those companies are even still around?
0: Gone. Did they, did they provide a list? Did they show you?
2: They were talking about things like AOL, Circuit City, <laughs> Sears. Um, I'm going to try to do a quick little check here on the uh google machine of okay super bowl ads now obviously uh budweiser they're still around
0: but um gosh when did go daddy really start throwing cash at their yeah that was product that, that was a while back
2: but uh let's see here if we can find okay uh oldsmobile they're gone. Um, Britannica.com, gone. Uh, Epidemic.com, probably should have stayed around, <laughs> but they're gone. Hot jobs. Hot jobs. Remember hot jobs? Like a job website, huh? Yeah. Lifeminders.com, MicroStrategy. A lot of dot-coms that year. Um okay, and that was just two thousand. Let's and of course you kind of expect it for two thousand because well that's now uh a lot of films that were being advertised Spider Man, Blade Two, Austin Powers and Gold member. Uh Pepsi bought a lot of time. Yahoo was was a big advertiser Yahoo. in two thousand two. But fascinating it, it was kind of interesting to hear all these ad companies and these companies are all whoop, out the door
0: speaking of old advertisements uh shout out to chuck for sending me the aerosmith with special guest rush at the morris performing arts center advanced tickets on sale just 550 a <laughs> ticket five dollars and 50 cents what year was that Did 70 79 79 Yeah.
2: (laughs) So, kids, if you're wondering why your parents are the way they are, it's because they were able to go to things for a much cheaper price than you can now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember trying to tread lightly asking my parents for, I think it was $11, to see REO Speedwagon at Notre Dame. My older friends are going, and I can ride with them, but I need $11. Wow, $11. Let me check my wallet. Yeah, Different era. A little different time. Uh, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Sports Yak. Maybe tell a friend. Slide them an episode. See what they think. You're on Twitter, right? Oh, I am at 46 Sports. Stay off the bypass. Me too. At Sports Yak with two Ks. And my name is Corey. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga luga, Billy Buck. Right between the legs. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta
1: run. Sport Jack! Sport Jack! Sport Jack is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done?